Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.35 at Evident. Just before we go to Craig Simpson, I want to get to some texts uh, for Heartland for two quick texts. Bob, how about the Oilers trade Paul Yervi and Cassian for Josh Anderson? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Edmonton would not. I don't think Edmonton would trade. I I might consider Paul Yervi for Josh Anderson. I don't know if the Oilers would. Uh, Josh Anderson is a, is a heavy player that can score, that is tough, but I'm not sure. And, you know, Columbus, let's not forget, they passed on Yessa Paul Yervi in the draft as well. And uh, there was another text that made me chuckle. And I, let me just find it here. Here it goes right here. Uh, Bob, it's nice to see people coming around on Milan, Lucic, and appreciation what he brings. Let me tell you from experience, here is a name you will know, but I played with Brett Gallant, and he was nowhere near as skilled as Lucic, obviously. But those guys bring a swagger to your whole team, and they are respected in the room. I've never met a Gallant that wasn't tough. Or named a Gallant. Brett Gallant in the American Hockey League is about as tough as there is. I think he's got a brother that's also a big time uh, uh, scrapper. And these guys aren't huge guys. They're like six feet, six foot one. Uh, Brett Gallant's played four NHL games. Gerard Gallant was a tough SOB when he played. And Gordy Gallant was one of the toughest guys of all time in the World Hockey Association. Actually, um, I think he uh, got in a bar fight and someone died once uh, when he was growing up in the 70s. And it was, he did not get convicted for it. Uh, Let's go off to a regular contributor to the show, Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers on River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. Hello, Craig. How are you? I'm great, Bob. How are you? Good. You played against Gerard Gallant. He was tough, wasn't he? Yeah, he he was just a gritty, hardworking guy. You knew you always had to battle hard against and... uh, you know, I, I think he's kind of kept that mentality in his coaching days, and he's uh, pretty no-nonsense. You know where you stand with him, and uh, he carved out a really good career, and he's carving out a good coaching career as well. And Dylan would have played against the Gallant brothers in the Pacific Division of the AHL, right? You recall those guys? 
Uh, I don't. I, I haven't seen uh, them really, but uh, your description, that sounds about par for the course. The way they well, I'll put it this way. Uh, one of them, I think, showed Mitch Mraz the difference between fighting in the Western Hockey League and fighting in the American Hockey yeah, League. Cause they, yeah, for sure. Those guys are tough, tough dudes. All right, uh, let's get to it. I mean, don't you kind of wish you could have called that game last night? It was a beauty. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty uh, exciting, wide open, back and forth uh, game. You know, it's it sort of uh, I would have said it's like uh, a Toronto Chicago game I did uh, the first weekend uh, of the season. It was a seven six game where it felt like last shot was going to win, and you kind of got that feeling uh, last night as well. Uh, you know, hearing the coaches say it must have been exciting for the fans. I know it wasn't all that exciting for the coaches, but. You know, it's like anything. You get some positives out of it, but uh, some glaring negatives as well. And I, I heard you earlier, and I would agree. I, I, I think for Cam, that was a real tough night. Uh, you could probably point to four anyways. You know, even the, the Crosby goal was a great goal, wonderful individual effort, but still not a great actual goal. But the, the four previous to that, the second, third, fourth, and fifth, you know, to me, Cam just wasn't battling, wasn't finding the puck, was down early, and, you know, pucks were going through him. And that's one of those nights, maybe you get a couple of saves, you end up with a big win against a great opponent. Uh, yeah. Instead, you know, you're fortunate to get a point. But uh, definitely a, a night that uh, fans love to see and some really good individual efforts uh, making some good plays. Did you have some empathy for the position Ryan Strom was in? in oh, yeah. You, you know, you're just trying to hold on and just keep the outside. Uh that's a definite mismatch. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and watch uh, again on the play. Was there an opportunity to maybe do a switch off? Right. If you're playing three on three, the last guy you want going up against a, a forward would be Sid, but uh, especially down there in the corner. Right. You, you know, defensemen are, are much more accustomed to having that type of a battle, but, uh, uh, you know, it's one of those that you're just hoping as a player that you can get a piece of the puck or chip it away and buy yourself some time, and instead, you know, it, it obviously didn't end up well for him. Well, combination of factors. I mean, yeah, Strom got beat. He almost swept the puck off of uh, Crosby's stick as Crosby beat him inside. Yeah. Uh, it was. I mean, right now, hash marks in, you can make an argument, Sidney Crosby's the best forward in the NHL. Like that well, is his it's, domain. That's his. It's his forte down low. You know, he's got such great mobility. He's got a low, low center of gravity. So, so often you you think you're close to getting to the puck, and he uses his body to shield it. He, he's got great footwork. So, uh, yeah, he's not the first uh, guy to be exposed uh, in that area of the ice. And it's a it's a tough ending for Ryan, but it's another learning lesson. And, uh, and there are times when. You know, great players make great plays, and that, that was definitely one of them. I bumped into a couple guys last night. They didn't have as prolific NHL careers as you did, but one of them said to me, absolutely, Nurse has to basically, and he goes, I know it was in a tight and confined space, but he's just got to take and say, he's mine, I got him. And the other guy that was there said, no, the window wasn't there. And that's Strom's responsibility. And three on three, you're playing man. So it's, in, and both guys had, had had at least a cup of coffee at the National Hockey League. Well, so it was an interesting. Down by, co- the, down by the net there, you, you can come, come back and support. I, I would right. say, because you know what will happen is right. if you all of a sudden try to two on one, uh, he's got the ability to find where the open man is that you just left. But, uh, I think you've got to identify that you've got a forward that's in a little bit of trouble. 
and once he gets closer to the net or starts to attack, I think he could have been more aggressive coming down and maybe getting a stick in there uh, to help support out. But it's easy to sit and watch afterwards right. when you're living it, and uh, yeah, 100%. you know you're afraid of of converging on one guy and. You know that your guy is back door, let's say, and uh, next thing you know, it's in the net that way. So those are split second decisions that it's easy to second guess, but a lot more difficult to make it on the on the fly. Now, before the game, Craig, on three separate occasions, in Todd McClellan's availability that he did with the media yesterday, he included Leon Drysaddle in the conversation. Crosby, Melkin, and we have McDavid and and Leon and Leon, and Leon. And last night was, I thought, Drysaddle's best five-on-five game of the season. He ended up a plus player in the game. Yep. Uh, two goals. He, I mean, he, he could have had terrific setup for chase on, for, and he hit the crossbar, but he made a great play there. And then also he got you know robbed by, and it should be mentioned, Matt Murray played well. He had a lot of terrific saves in last night's game. You know, Leon got stopped on that two-on-one on the power play late in the third as well. So just your thoughts on Leon elevating his play, and and, uh, and obviously it's something the owners need on a regular basis. Yeah, well, it probably wasn't by by coincidence. You know, I I think for Todd, you're looking and – People who have watched the Oilers through the first six games prior to last night, have, you know, many have been saying Leon's got to be better. You've got to have that secondary threat, and you, you've got to take some of the emphasis on off of just focusing solely on, on McDavid. So I think as a coach, you're trying to inspire, you're trying to include, you're you know, trying to make a guy feel maybe a little bit better about himself, get a little bit more confidence, give him an opportunity to you know, get something good going. And you, you hope a game like that, uh, you know, I heard his interview and comments after you, you hope uh, you get a loss, you learn maybe some lessons, but hopefully it's a kickstart that gets you playing at a little higher pace, a little better level. And uh, let's face it, you, you can't have, you know, the disturbing thing for me, Bob, is looking at a, what, 28 minutes and 26 seconds for McDavid. And, you know, there are going to be games where it just goes like that. You Maybe you get more power play time and you try to double shift them in areas. But he's already at almost a 25-minute a game average. And that's just too much to play center in the National Hockey League. And for a guy who has the, the speed that he does, you know, you need him a little bit more fresh than uh, being into that high 20s every night. So uh, Leon playing better and playing a more significant role will absorb some of that. Well, uh, the Oilers had the lead, and they Todd McClellan went for the kill because, uh, you know, Nugent Hopkins and McDavid and Drysdale got a couple shifts together uh, when Edmonton had leads in last night's game. The problem for the Oilers is the fourth line kept on giving it up. Yeah. Um, I, I, before I get to the fourth line, I well, let's get to, let's get to that first. Brodziak and Cassian, they have had a tough start. I mean, they, I, they both played well against Nashville. I, that's got to be stated. Uh, but, but, and it's a big but, um, you know, based on minutes played on the PK, hasn't been pretty for those two. Uh, nope. Kyle's minus six in six games, and uh, and Zach has been unfortunately a little bit ineffective. And it would not surprise me if one of those two guys is out tomorrow night against the Washington Capitals. Well, and it hasn't worked well yet for Kyle. And you and you wonder, okay, you're back in an environment that you should be, you know, at least comfortable enough. Um, you're you're not a 25 year old anymore, though, so. I think the important thing is to get some traction early and get some confidence in the way you're playing. And the the fact that he was in and out of the lineup uh, right off the bat and obviously didn't have a lot of the 
trust of the coach. If you're going to be a fourth-line player that's playing under 10 minutes a game, you know, you have to have those good shifts early on that get you the ice time and get you the confidence of the coach. And if if you're all of a sudden seven or eight games into the season and you're yet to get that, that, that that's a tough task. You know, it, it's difficult being a third, fourth-line player because you don't get those second or third chances just because. You know, you got to earn those shifts. And if you're struggling early on, it, it's hard to get that confidence back. And so, you know, Zach's another guy that I've often said and just has times where he forgets what he has to be and what his role has to be as a player. And so with the clock ticking, you know, uh, uh, seven games into the season and you haven't quite been able to establish that role yet is a concern. And I'm sure it is for the coach because it, it doesn't seem like much in terms of ice time, but if you have no trust in that fourth line, it, it's very difficult to manage your bench. And that's when you get to a guy like McDavid playing 28 minutes, which which isn't something you can do on a long term. Well, I'd say this. Chason certainly showed some flashes that he's an NHL player. You saw him a lot last year in the final. And the Oilers, and I know Drake Kajula, a lot of fans thought, you know, giving away too many opportunities through the first two years. But he was out of the mix to start, and the three games he's played – he brought the Oilers some, you know what, in vinegar. Like he gave, yep. he brought Edmonton something. So those two guys, for me, look like they could be bottom six options that can help the team out. Well, and what they've done is created a little bit of competition. And so you know, you you look over the course of his career, Chaison has had that in inconsistency uh, problem. It's been something that's dogged him. He hasn't quite been able to stay at that high level of play. So, you know, you you create an opportunity where you're watching for a while, you get hungry, and now you get your chance. And so, again, maybe a game like last night is one that uh, gives him a little bit of a jump and gives him a bit of an edge, but it also creates the competition with Kajula as well. And I think what you hope for then is that when you do give a guy a chance, he shows that he understands what he has to do to play. But now, now the challenge is to do it on a regular basis. And... Uh, you know, good for uh, for Alex to have a game like that and the opportunity when it presented itself and move into a role where, you know, you move up in the lineup. But, but now, you know, part of his problem through his career is staying at that level. So yeah. we'll see how much competition that uh, creates through the bottom half of that lineup. And you hope somebody steps up and shows that they're ready to play that way on a consistent basis because it's, going to be needed you know you can't be a one or two line team in the national hockey league these days and expect to have any uh, longevity or success well again chase on not on the ice today expected to play tomorrow could see him based on how the lines were cons- uh, at least the coloring of the of uh, the guys on the ice would not be surprised if uh, Yamamoto stayed with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, and we saw Chase on playing on the right side as he finished the game yesterday of Drysettle and Reader, and uh, that would maybe afford the Oilers the opportunity to, to have Pugliarvi again with Lucic and Strom. And that's where I want to go next. Yes, the Pugliarvi. We're joined by Craig Simpson. Craig, I received this tweet today. It says, "Please, at Edmonton Oilers, trade at Yes, Pugliarvi. There's uh, no sense to keep him when Todd obviously doesn't trust him. He's a better player and deserves." Serves more. The Oilers need defense. Why not make changes with the Dallas Stars? Maybe um, Paul Yarvey for Honka. And that came to us from a, Phil- a Finnish commentator. And uh, my response, Craig, was uh, that uh, 
Yesi is deserves more a question mark. He has to earn currency with his teammates and this coach. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, we we've talked a lot. I think maybe about, too much. Maybe about him. Maybe. Yeah, and I and I think I, I go back and I've I've said it. I think many times to you and about different yep. players. And you know, I, I'm a firm believer in in taking responsibility as the player. And you know, you can sit uh, in an armchair and say, well, he's not getting this chance or he's not getting that. You you have a chance every day, every day of practice. You have a chance every single game to show that you're ready to play and make an impact. And, uh, you know, there are the difficulty of becoming a really good NHL everyday player is that consistency factor. Can you do it night in and night out? And it doesn't always mean that it's uh, scoring goals. And I've said to you before, some, uh, and I heard you talking about Hemsky, and I've, I've uh, relayed a number of stories talking and helping him yep. as a rookie, uh, trying to understand what we're trying to get out of you as a player. It's not about you know, cheating and trying to score goals. It, it's about how you have to play to have success, to stay in the lineup, to play bigger minutes, and the goals will come on the heels of that. And, uh, you know, I've just said, uh, watching SE in the American League, uh, I, I just found at some point you have to take that responsibility of being hard every day and being an impactful player. And being impactful doesn't mean scoring a goal. Being impactful means, uh, you know, playing with that, that, that energy and drive every game, getting in on the forecheck. Can you turn pucks over? Can you make some plays? Can you forecheck hard? and uh, play a couple of consecutive shifts in the offensive zone. All, all those little things will build up that currency you're talking about for Pulley And then I, I'm a firm believer when you start on a consistent basis playing that way every day, the goals will come and the offense will come on the heels of that. But I, I think a lot of times guys expect the offense to be there without putting in that work. Craig, uh just back to 0304, uh, the difference is you didn't have a McDavid or a Dreisaitl or even a Nugent Hopkins with that group. You guys were an excellent five-on-five team, uh, really good bottom six forwards, as I recall. And <laughs> and and power play was a challenge. Not And I know you coached power play. had nothing to do with you. You just didn't have the personnel. We're in a completely different situation now because of the, the timing and the sequencing and the caliber of the players as well, right? In my mind, we are. I know, I, so I, 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 I get what you're saying. The rules should be applied the same but sometimes they're not the same when your lineup is deficient of a certain type of player. Right. But I think your top guys, you know, you look at historically uh, with teams that are really good teams, your top lines typically have a pair. And uh, if you can have that pair that are always going to be together, center and a left wing or center and a right wing, uh, and then you create opportunities and you create competition for guys to jump in and out of that other role. If, if you're fortunate enough to find a trio that works out perfectly, then, you know, of course, that's, that's a real bonus. But even you look around, I mean, how many guys have rotated off of Crosby's wing or off of Malkin's wing? Uh, how many guys, you know, around the league with great players will, um, you know, platoon in and out until you find that guy that absolutely sticks? And I guess Boston would be another example of, um, you know, Marchand finding uh, his his role there with Bergeron and then Pasternak just simply was too good and fit in so well that now you don't mess with those three. But for a while, there's a huge rotation on that third yeah. guy up in the top line. And that's, that's okay because that competition usually allows somebody to jump in and take uh, – 
take a role or play above maybe where they have in the past. But uh, I, I think that's what you're trying to establish. And uh, if I'm, you know, we said coming in, if I'm a Pulley or any of those other guys trying to find that, uh, that audition up there, it's, it's how you play and how you show uh, the, the faith that you can give your coach that you're going to play hard, you're going to protect the puck, you're going to turn pucks over offensively, you're going to get in on the forecheck, and then you'll get your opportunity. And when you do, then you hope that that continues as you get there. Craig, one final one for you, 20-second uh, answer if you could. Uh, cannot believe they called the face-off violation with six minutes left. Just drop the puck and let the players decide it. Agree or disagree with that statement? Yeah, I, I think, you know, so often they, they've talked about quick face-off or violations here and there, and they get a little sloppy with it. At a big game like that, I, I agree. you got to have a little bit of uh, relationship with the linesman to make sure that you're set and that there's no fakes and that well, let's just get this done and do it correctly. Craig, awesome stuff. Thanks for your time. All right, take care. You bet. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, Craig Simpson will take a two-minute timeout. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 12.56 in Edmonton. Uh, I do want to tell you, guests in Oilers Now receive guest certificates from Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had. You can uh, follow Sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Go down and see Rebecca and the staff at Roos Chris and tell them Oilers Now uh, sent you. I was talking about all the great gallants over the years. This text comes in saying... Uh, where did it go here? It said, Bob, how could you possibly forget the Stampede Wrestling great Hubert Gallant? Oh, yes. When he was a, uh, what do they call that, a baby face? He was the Shediac sensation. And then he turned heel, and they called him the New Brunswick bum. There you go. That was the, I'm serious, uh, back of the day. The legendary, anybody remember who the uh, play-by-play guy was on Stampede Wrestling? Hey? Texas at 630, 630. He was the play-by-play guy of the Calgary Flames. Terrific fellow, bigger-than-life personality. See how quickly it takes for people to get that. they got to remember Stampede Wrestling back in the day. Hey, uh, we've got a couple Oilers Now road trips coming up. One to Nashville, one to Vegas. Uh, these Oilers Now roadies include airfare, accommodation, great game tickets, a private suite in Vegas. Two terrific uh, road destinations. We'll have welcome receptions, parking at the Value Park, Edmonton International Airport, limited space. We have great guests that show up for these events. Uh, Sold right out on our trip over to Germany and Sweden, which was an absolute kicker. For the Oilers Now Road Trip, call the travel experts at Newest Travel, 780-432-7446, or online at newesttravel.com. Take a look. Just go to our text line right now. Take a look at how many people just text Ed Whalen. That is awesome. Hey, you think they're not listening? They're listening. Awesome stuff. You know your stuff, Oiler fans. And you know what? You know Stampede Wrestling, too. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back, Jason Smith, former Oiler, and now the former head coach, Laclona Rockets. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.